0: And ask me questions if I was confusing. Post-deadline trades. On Friday, there was a deadline for teams to submit names for eligibility for the Rule 5 draft. The Indians, I mean the Guardians, I'm completely good with Guardians as their name, completely good with it, especially as opposed to the other one. Um. The Guardians added 10 players on Friday and ended up designating for assignment three. No, they ended up designating for assignment seven players. Now, I'm going to take a gander at three of the recent Indians trades, one of which involves the Cubs. Guardians, boy, I'm going to say that a lot. Um, three of the Guardian's trades to walk you through player value after being designated for assignment. Player value after being designated for assignment. If a player has yet to be designated for assignment, they should have full value. You know, what? whatever, whichever play, let's use Ian Happ, for example. If the Cubs were to decide, hey, we want to trade Ian Happ and we want to get it done this week. If they were to decide that, they went out and said, hey, you guys interested in anybody on our team and trade? Uh Well, how about this guy? And what what the Cubs would be then, then be hunting for is that team who says, yeah, we'd like to trade you some quality for Ian Happ. See how that works? You're hunting for a team who says, we want to trade you quality for Ian Happ or Wilson Contreras or whoever it would end up being, Uh, Michael Rucker, whoever it would end up being. If an executive is trying to somewhat actively trade a player, then they'll ask around. There's 29 other teams. There's not 700, there's 29 other teams. Hey, would you guys be interested in trading for anybody? Uh we're trying to create a little bit of roster space or something blah blah blah, blah whatever. Is there anybody you would be interested in? And generally, if teams are, yeah, sure, if you're if you're interested in trading Wilson Contreras, we might be, oh okay, um, we'll keep that in mind. That's not who we're asking about. He thinks. But okay, well, yeah, thanks for thanks for playing the game. What teams are looking for is that player, a team who's looking for that player that they're interested in potentially moving. Got it? Okay, cool. So, what ended up happening was Cleveland ended up having a whole bunch of players they wanted to add to their 40-man roster. As it turns out, they also wanted to add... Another player um, that was on Tampa's roster. I'm rounding up the name. Where'd that name go? Um, Tobias Myers. Tobias Myers is a right-handed pitcher who had been in Tampa's organization. Tampa was also facing a 40-man roster crunch. So Tampa was asking about, is anybody interested in any of the players that we might be interested in adding to our 40-man roster because we have a bit of a 40-man crunch? See how that works? You're you're honest about stuff. We have a bit of problem here. Is there anyone you specifically would be interested in trading for, in trading quality for, to get something done? So with Tampa, (laughs) Tobias Myers probably... Had a whole bunch of teams saying, yeah, we're kind of interested in Tobias Myers if you're interested in moving him. Understand? Okay, so we're going to look at three. I'm going to run down the names. I'm going to run down the names. Cleveland added a whopping 10 players to the 40-man roster. Headlined by top prospects Tyler Freeman and George Valera. Also added were... Brian Rocchio, Richie Palacios, Stephen Kwan, Jose Tena, Cody Morris, Brian Lavastida, Connor Pilkington, more on him in a second, and Janeski Noel. They also added Tobias Myers, who had quite a bit of interest across the league. Now, how do I know? that he had a whole bunch of interest across the league. Again, we'll get back to that in a second. Connor Pilkington was a guy that the that uh the defenders picked up back when they were the Indians in a trade with the White Sox. The White Sox wanted a rental infielder to play second base for them. The White Sox sent Connor Pilkington to Cleveland. Cleveland probably did a little this, a little bit of that, added a little something, changed a little something, worked on a little something. Now Connor Pilkington is on the Cleveland 40-man roster. And the guy that the White Sox traded for is no longer with the White Sox. There you go. That's how you make a bad trade. Cleveland, on Monday, I will start with the Cubs trade because some of you are most interested and only interested in Cubs stuff. Cubs acquire Harold Ramirez from the Guardians. I'm going to read the very, 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 very start of this press release, well, not press release, article from Steve Adams on MLB Trade Rumors. The Cubs have acquired outfielder Harold Ramirez from the Guardians in exchange for cash. I will say that one more time. The Cubs have acquired outfielder Harold Ramirez from the Guardians in exchange for cash. Not Dave cash, not Norm cash, cash, money and amount of money, probably in the range of $75,000 or $100,000. Now, in your world, in my world, that's a hell of a lot of money. In Major League Baseball, eh, chump change. You know, it's one parking lot and a, one parking lot of uh, parking in June for one game. You know, that's what $100,000 is. One parking lot of revenue from parking in one game in June. So, Harold Ramirez was acquired from Cleveland for cash. What does it take for a player to be acquired for cash? Team asks around the league, all the other 29 teams, hey, are you interested in this guy? 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 Most of the teams are either, yeah, nah, really not, not interested in him, not even remotely, or there might be a situation of, we'd offer you some cash for him, but we're not going to trade you talent for him. See how that works? If a player is only available If a team is only interested in obtaining a player for cash, that's basically the lowest level possible. Tampa traded. Brett Honeywell used to be a um, highly valued pitching prospect until he had Tommy John surgery for a second time. Pitched a little bit in 2021. Wasn't all that effective. And... Tampa had a 40-man roster crunch. They traded Honeywell, Brett Honeywell to Oakland for cash. If a player is traded for cash, I'm putting quotes around that. Cash. Traded for cash. There's really not a whole lot of interest in him. There really isn't. It's not that he's a bad player. It's not that he's a dick. It's not any of that kind of stuff. Nobody wanted him. All they could get all Cleveland could get for Harold Ramirez was cash. Now, I'm going to go through this one more time with a different, um, different article. Same author, Steve Adams. The Brewers have acquired right-handed pitcher J.C. Mejia from the Guardians in exchange for a player to be named later or cash. The team's announced. I'm going to read that one more time. The Brewers have acquired right-handed pitcher J.C. Mejia from the Guardians in exchange for a player to be named later or cash. A player to be named later or cash is better than just cash. Unless the money is completely ridiculous, which usually isn't the case. If it's just cash... Usually it's going to be for $75,000 or $100,000. With J.C. Mejia, a player to be named later or cash. Now, how's that work? Well, the cash will eventually be $75,000 or $100,000 if it boils to that, probably. But for a player to be named later or cash, what that means is... Cleveland and Milwaukee agreed on probably, I'm guessing, three names. We, being Cleveland, will trade you Mejia if you offer us one of these three players our decision within six months. We want one of these three players. And if you say, eh, no, screw that, I don't think that's fair... Then we'll just go to somebody else. The Brewers decide, okay, we will make that exchange. Now, who are the players to be named later? It could be somebody who's almost ready for the 40-man roster. uh, 40-man roster crunch next year. My hunch, the big trend, which I've been following the last couple of years, 2021 draft choices are now eligible to be traded. So... Oh, why not? Let's go look up oh the draft Uh Garrett Mitchell. I'll start there. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be naughty and take a little time and extend your podcast a little bit because I don't really wanna hit pause. Garrett Mitchell. I can't I can't remember who the Brewers took in the first round. Okay, now I'm where I want to be. Um, Milwaukee, their 2021 draft. Let's see, Sal Fralick was the first guy they selected. It won't be him. Tyler Black won't be him. Russell Smith out of TCU. Don't really know that much about him. I don't think it'll be him. I don't think it'll be Alex Benellis. Those are their top four. Logan Henderson was their fifth out of McLennan in Waco. Probably anybody. um, Fifth, sixth, seventh round and down. Maybe a Wes Clark or a Tristan Peters or a Zach Raby. That'd be nice. Wouldn't it be get get traded for rabies? Um, Those players have an entire career to go. An entire career to go. They could be absolutely terrible or they could actually get a whole lot better. So probably, probably, probably Cleveland scouted. Milwaukee, somehow, either in Arizona Fall League or, you know, sending a scout from uh, Lake County to Appleton or whatever it was, probably Cleveland has some sort of idea. Okay, how about this? We will trade you J.C. Mejia, who I was interested in for the Cubs had an article on it. JC Mejia for some guy that they're kind of interested in, whoever it is. So you have the first step of traded for cash. Very incidental interest in said player. Then you have player is traded for player to be named later or cash. That's a little bit better. Not necessarily a whole lot better, but it's better. Then you get the guys who are traded for actual talent. And now we're going to drop back a little bit, go back a little bit in time, back to Friday, back to earlier in the podcast. Guardians designate seven players for assignment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, the Guardians have acquired right-hander Tobias Myers from the Rays in exchange for minor league infielder Junior Caminero. Tobias Myers, who, again, the Rays didn't necessarily want to get rid of, but they had a roster crunch. Tobias Myers, let's see, where's he from? I've looked that up and I keep forgetting. Sixth round out of Winter Haven High School in Winter Haven, Florida. An Orioles selection. Wow. Orioles. Wonder what that trade was. Tampa's so smart. Um Tobias Myers in double A, two point six years younger than the players he was playing against. That's where he started the season. Thirteen games, ten starts, fifty-nine and two thirds innings, forty-nine hits, ten walks, eighty-one strikeouts, 0.989 whip. Midway through the season gets called up to Durham in triple A. There he had 12 start 12 games, all starts. Uh, 4.50 ERA, 58 innings, 52 hits, 18 walks, 65 strikeouts. Had a really good year, five years younger than the league players that he was against. So his numbers weren't that good, but when you take into consideration the dude's 22, those are pretty good numbers. Uh, What, 2.8 walks per nine, 10.1 10.1 strikeouts per nine, five years younger than the rest of the league. Got bit by the gopher ball a bit. Um, what was it? 11 home runs. Is good. Is that what that is? And 11 home runs. Uh, ooh, 29 home runs, 29 home runs in 58 innings. So yeah, he, he gave up some homers. um, so Cleveland decided they were interested in trading for Tobias Myers, this guy who I have been recounting stuff on. And apparently there were a couple of teams interested in Tobias Myers. Why do I say there were a couple of teams interested in Tobias Myers? If there was only one team interested in Tobias Myers, they would have traded Tobias Myers for what? Yeah, you're right, cash. If there's only one team interested or possibly two teams interested but really neither one of them is all that interested it would have been Tobias Myers for cash if it would have been three teams and somebody decided hey I'm willing to trade you one of these three prospects to jump in front of the other two teams in the waiver wire blah, 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 um, then the uh, prospect would have been cash or a player to be named later Tobias Myers was traded for an actual body, an actual human being, an actual player. Junior Caminero, Junior Caminero, I'm sure you don't know him. I didn't know him until Friday. I'd never heard of him until Friday. Third base, first baseman, shortstop, 5'11", 157 out of Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. He is 18 and a half years old. He was in the Dominican Summer League this year. The Dominican Summer League, 295 batting average, 380 OPS, 534 slugging, 914 OPS. He had nine home runs. The Indians Red had 18. He had half their home runs. 20 walks, 28 strikeouts. Them's some numbers. Tobias Myers went to Cleveland, but Tobias Myers brought back quality. He brought back quality in Junior Caminero. Now let's ring this back around to the Cubs. 2022, however much of a season there's going to be, very possibly there's going to be a Lockout, the lockout could last into what was supposed to be spring training, into what was supposed to be opening day. We have no idea how long this thing's going to go. No idea. The, The lockout could last until after the baseball draft. We have no idea. What the Cubs would like to be able to do in 2022. They love to be able to be in a situation where they're honest to goodness in contention. Reach the all-star break, they are a game out of first place. That would be fantastic. Reach the all-star break, they're four games in front. That would be fantastic. However, if they're not there, all is not lost. What the Cubs will want to do in 2022, all these people on their 40-man roster, the ones that are on the 40-man roster now, the ones that are on the 40-man roster in July, the ones that are on the 40-man roster in August, however it works, the Cubs are going to want to assess those players and try to put them in a positive light with other organizations. For instance, who's who's the guy? Who's the guy from um, the zipline shuttle that you're most intrigued by? Out of I I'll give you, I'll give you some names: uh, Michael Rucker. Hmm. Trevor McGill, Tommy Nance, and, oh, who else do we want to throw on there? Who else do we want to throw on there? Uh, Manny Rodriguez. Let's throw those four on there. So those four guys are on the, which of those four guys are you most interested in? Which of those four are you second most interested in? So now you got the other two names there who you're really not all that sold on. But you got the two names at the top. You're kind of interested in the one. You're really kind of interested in the other. The other two guys, eh, not so much. What the Cubs would likely be desperately trying to do in 2022 is raise the other team's perception of those other two guys, whoever the other two guys are for you. Maybe it's Nance and McGill. Whichever two it is. Get those two guys to the point where, at least with one of them, either the Cubs really do want to keep them on the 40-man roster over next offseason. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? You know, Trevor McGill goes from, eh, really kind of an afterthought to, actually, this guy's kind of good in a year. Wouldn't that be nice? If that doesn't work, then get him to at least the point where someone would be willing to trade for him something. Now, what do I mean by something? Well, I've been talking about it all podcast long. You can either trade a guy for cash. You can trade a guy for cash or a player to be named later. Or you can trade a guy for actual talent. It would be so fantastic if the Cubs can get some of those pitchers who a lot of Cubs fans now are, eh, yeah, really thanks, but no thanks, and get them to the point where, well, I don't want to let that guy go for nothing. Trading for talent after the deadline. Trading for talent after the deadline of the Rule 5 draft is about changing other teams' perceptions on players. I was having a discussion on Bleed Cubby Blue when I was talking about being interested in J.C. Mejia. Somebody said, you know, I'm looking at the page, I'm not seeing it. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would you be interested in J.C. Mejia? My response was brief. And shortly thereafter, I realized, you know what? That wasn't an appropriately explanatory response. So I came out with a full article instead. The basic premise on... The players that I'm interested in, in waiver wire pickups. There's an article on Bleed Cubby Blue. The guys I'm in, A lot of times people say, I'm interested in this guy because I think he will do well. I understand that. Clint Frazier. Somebody is a Clint Fraser loyalist, they think. If he finally gets a chance to play like Frank Schwindel did, then maybe he'll be good, etc., etc., etc. That's fine. I have no problem with that. With Clint Frazier, what would have to happen is he would have to show up in spring training, do well in spring training, then coming out of camp, do well after the season begins, then continue to do well, and continue to do well Otherwise, he'd get released. If Clint Frazier ends up being a really good player the rest of his career, or the, the entirety of 2022, then yeah, Clint Frazier would be a great pickup. I just don't know that I want to make that gamble. Because Clint Frazier, if he doesn't hit it with the Cubs... He'll get run through waivers and he'll get claimed by somebody else who says, hey, that's Clint Frazier. Let's try to bring him in. And and the Cubs get nothing out of their gamble. The guys that I'm interested in and the best example, the best example going and the best example going probably for the next three or four years from a Cubs perspective is Frank Schwindel. When the Cubs picked up Frank Schwindel On waivers. What did he do the first two weeks? When the Cubs picked up Frank Schwindel on waivers, what did he do the first two weeks? He went to Iowa. He went to Des Moines and started playing in Des Moines. He was playing regularly in Des Moines. Anthony Rizzo got traded. Frank Schwindel got called up, and the Cubs said, you're our first baseman. If you go one for eight, you're still our first baseman. If you go two for 28, you're still our first baseman. You are our first baseman. When he was told, you are our guy, the pressure was off. All he had to do was go out and play baseball like he's done since he was eight years old. Go out, play baseball, have fun, Try to get better. Enjoy yourself. And the one thing he didn't have to do is look over his damn shoulder because he was afraid he was going to lose his job to somebody. You're the guy. You're the starter. Go have fun. See how that works? The guys I'm interested in when I'm looking at waiver wire candidates, when I'm looking at players in the DFA portal, I'm not going to ask Is this guy going to do well the first two weeks, and then the next two weeks, and then the next two months, and then the next three years, and then the next... uh, That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. What I'm looking at is if this guy is cat piss. Cubs sign a lefty, left-handed reliever, off of the DFA wire. And it just so happens they have to send him to Wrigley because, hey, we need a left-handed reliever and we're going to send it. We claim this guy. We're going to send him to Wrigley. He has minor league options, but we're going to send him to Wrigley. He goes out. One inning. Gives up four runs. The guys I'm interested in are the guys who, eh, he had a bad outing. Don't really care. Let's send him back to Iowa. Let's send him back to Iowa, but... He's still on the roster. I want the guys who make sense if they suck for three or four days. Those are the guys I'm interested in. Cubs picked up Harold Ramirez. If Harold Ramirez goes to Major League Camp and is horse crap, well, Cubs run through waivers. He passes through waivers. They send him to Iowa, they stick him in right field and let him play there. See how that works? I'm not requiring a player to have the best three years of his life, the first three years he's in the organization, the the best three weeks of his life, the first first three weeks he's in the organization. It might happen, but probably not. I want the Cubs to sign players that make sense even if they don't have a good week or a good two weeks. Sign players that if everything falls apart, send them back to Iowa. Send them back to Iowa. That's completely acceptable because what usually ends up happening is a player who does well in AAA, whether it's in Iowa, whether it's in Columbus, whether it's in St. Paul, whether it's in Omaha, if a player does well in AAA and then gets the call, hey, we want you to come up and we want you to actually play. We're not going to nail you to the bench like a Rule 5 guy. We're going to call you up and we're going to use you. You're going to show up in town on Tuesday we're not going to play on Tuesday because, you know, it's a flight and all that kind of stuff. And your head's probably spinning and you don't know what state you're in. So Tuesday, we're not going to play you. But we're going to play you on Wednesday. And we're going to give you a Thursday off. And we're going to play you on the next day. We're not going to play you Tuesday, but we're going to play you Wednesday. And we're going to play you Friday. And we're going to see how you do. We're going to see how you do. If you do well, then we'll probably stick around uh, stick keep you around remember what happened with tommy nance oh this guy's terrible why they call him up he's a oh oh he's actually doing really well if a player does well he gets added rope the guys i'm interested in when it comes to players who are designated for assignment are guys who do not have to change the entire universe The first week. Clint Frazier out of options. Harold Ramirez out of options. But If Harold Ramirez is absolutely horrible in spring training. Run through waivers. Probably clears. Gets go back to Iowa. Cubs have the entire rest of the season to decide if they want to keep him or not. Clint Frazier. That won't happen with. I'm interested in players who are going to be able to have time. To get developed the entire concept of you have five at-bats and if you don't get a hit in five at-bats we're going to give you a blindfold and a cigarette and you know it comes next that's how I'm interested in give the player a chance give him a chance in Iowa if he does well in Iowa call him the heck up those are the guys I'm interested in and then if you get to a point where hey you got a whole bunch of guys in Iowa that are really good and that are really ready to start coming up and kicking butt. When are we going to make room for them? Then that's when you trade a major leaguer for a prospect, whether you're in first place or not. When you're assessing DFA Wire candidates, don't assume they're going to immediately be first ballot hall of fame. Good, assume they'll probably struggle. If the Cubs acquire a DFA wire guy, a cl- uh, claim a guy off of waivers, and he goes to Iowa and does okay there, then what do you do? That's right, you call him up. If he's doing well in triple A. You call him up and give him a look, see how he does. That's the way it's done. The guys that fascinate me are the ones that have years to go of development, and it's not the standard take. The standard take is, I know this guy. I've seen this guy on ESPN. The contrarian take is, well, if it works, they have him for a long time. Seems to make sense to me. Um, Thanks for stopping by. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your turkey or turkey substitute on Thursday. I will talk to you the next time some news breaks. Have a great day. Tuesday.